Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about social media. As people who use social media on a regular basis, this topic is super relevant to us. And although we're not against using platforms like Instagram, we feel it's important to talk about the potential dangers of social media on mental health and wanted to discuss some of the sneaky things that companies do to steal our attention. We compare digital connection with in-person conversations, and we also talk about the importance of solitude, which is a crucial element for optimal mental health, but for many is now being eliminated because of the unlimited availability of novelty. We really enjoyed top researching the topic for this episode, and we hope you enjoy. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the TFC Footnote Program. It's an online program we kicked off at the start of this year to expand our global community of humans who are spreading the message of health starting at the feet. The online curriculum is a constantly evolving repository of content and resources that give you up-to-date knowledge about the body. The program is also an effort to expand our instructor team and be able to meet the demands for seminars around the world. For more information about the program, check out thefootcollective.com and click on the Footnerd Program tab. This episode is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC in Ottawa are big fans of coffee, and this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and gives you the story behind each of the craft roasters that they come from. If you check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout, you'll get 7 bucks off your first month of any subscription, which starts at 27 a month all-in Canadian, including shipping and taxes, so it's a pretty good deal. Last but not least, this episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality cases uh, that can keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors, let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet or the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hello friends, Nick and Mike here, back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today, today we're covering a very important topic, very relevant to us, uh, especially the line of work that we're in, but you know, especially relevant based on the fact that we've been researching and reading and doing kind of a deep dive into how humans are affected by social media and digital technology as a whole. So today's topic is going to be social media. Um, we'll start by just doing a bit of an intro, define what social media is, and we'll go through kind of all the relevant points that we find um, are important, are important to mention to help people be able to use this, you know, technology is very new thing we call social media uh, in a way that improves their health and improves their real actual relationships and doesn't detract from their health, which I think, you know, Mike and I have both gone through this journey where we've gone through phases that it hasn't been very good for us personally in terms of our health. Um, and so if we can give some of that, you know, shed some light on where we've gone with it and how we found kind of a niche where we're using it for a, in a good way. Um, and just kind of distill some of the info we've been reading. I think, I think people might be able to benefit and we'll probably do this on another episode down the road. So, um, maybe let's start by saying that clearly we're not against social media, right? Mm -hmm. like the only reason we're having this conversation and people are listening is because of social media. So we're not against it. Um, but we really feel it's a it's this completely novel technology that if you don't know how to use it, you're probably going to mess up. Like like any topic, it's very nuanced, and I think I think I put out one post before on social media, and then you'll you'll see the people who who say like, oh, you're like 
you're on social media, so what are you, anti-technology and all this stuff? So it's, it's... People are always extremists. It's like, which camp are you on? It's like, well, these are nuanced <laughs> conversations. This is not like camp A and camp B. It's like, let's actually have a human discussion. I think it's a beautiful illustration of how stupid people have gotten in actual conversations because of the fact that they talk on social media most of the time. Well, that's interesting because it's changed the dynamic of conversations and it's made us almost poor communicators in many senses. Yeah. And it's made us very emotional and you can't really, once you have a face-to-face conversation with somebody, obviously you, you can you can break down any indifferences you might have and you, you can almost agree to disagree. Yeah. But it really takes just face-to-face time um, spent going through these points as opposed to like, putting a post out and then checking it every minute and seeing what the next person was enraged about. Yeah. So it's affecting that culturally and we're not going to delve too deep into that, but it, that's huge. It's changing the way we communicate. I agree. And like two big books that I read recently or that I'm still kind of working through uh, were by Cal Newport. Cal Newport. Yeah. Deep Work and um, the Digital uh, digital Minimalism. And I think they're very powerful books to anyone struggling with harnessing and understanding you know, how social media is affecting their health, or if you feel it's affecting you, you negatively, I highly recommend um, Digital Minimalism. It's a very powerful book with tangible tips on how to kind of realign um, technology for your benefit. So I think one thing that he said is that our brains, the human brain is a sophisticated social, social computer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any new technology that disrupts the way that we, you know, whether for good or bad, disrupts the way that we connect or communicate with people, needs to be approached carefully and I think can easily create problems, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're wired to be social, but we're not wired to always be wired, if that if that makes sense. Like we're not supposed to have this available to us at all times in a non-human way. And I think that's part of the the slipperiness and like the generate the I generation, which they're calling this generation that's grown up with this technology from the get-go. I don't know. They're going to be messed up. I'm glad we didn't have this when we were younger. I'm glad we could see both sides to it. And we were talking about that at at the cottage the other day. By the way, one of the best experiences because we got away from our phones for three days. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Powerful. Very Way more powerful than I thought it was, actually, mm -hmm. than I thought it was going to be. So we were talking about how we were lucky that we saw both sides of it. And even going through high school was when we... I remember I had a Razer phone and that was like the best phone on the market. So, but we, we escaped at least going through high school. It really only started at the very end of high school going into like university. That's kind of when I think Facebook hit around that time. Yeah. It's hard to remember, but I, I'm I, pretty I remember, sure university. I remember Chris Armstrong, one of our friends got me into it and, I, and it was <laughs> around that time. So probably 18, 19 years old when it came about. And at that time it was very it was not like it was today and it's changed quite a bit, but that's kind of the intro of it. So I escaped, we escaped all of the teenagers yeah, we at got least through scot-free because like even at that, it's really hard to navigate. But as a teenager, I wouldn't have done well at all with that. Yeah. Me and neither. I think it's I, just becoming, it's not even people's fault. It's super, super hard because it's tapping into all these social reward systems. Yeah. And you're a vulnerable kid. High school's already a, a shitstorm of weirdness. Like you don't need to add this socially, this engineered social construct to add fuel to the fire, you know? like It already is a fired up environment Yeah, with exactly. social approval stuff and, and like fitting in and trying mm-hmm. to identify yourself yep. as a part of a group. That's like the critical moment in your life. So yeah, like you say. And, and in all fairness, you know, we can't, we're not going to, and I don't think it's fair to blame companies like Facebook and Instagram because, you know, they created a technology that 
the reality is the reason it's bad for a lot of people is because they don't know how to use it properly, right? Like if someone At buys... At the same time, though... Yeah, do when, they have a responsibility to, to be more aware of it? And they're... What Cal was getting into in, in uh, one of his podcasts that I listened to is that at a certain point, as soon as they became public companies, yeah. then yeah, now, the problem now we got to fulfill responsibilities to uh, to make profits for shareholders. Okay, so now it's a different game. Yeah. So now we, we've got to keep our profits going up year after year after year. How are we going to do that? And that's really what he was saying was like a real shift. And it happened around 2014, I believe. And that's when... Facebook, I used to go on Facebook, and, you, and I'm sure you did too, on your computer. So you'd go on Facebook while you're on computer. Like you didn't once have a day. Yeah, or, or whenever you're at home, whenever your computer is around. But you wouldn't walk around with your computer. You wouldn't open up your computer at all times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So these companies found out, okay. <laughs> Imagine how, you still have to do that. People would <laughs> yeah. walk around with laptops through yeah. streets. So, I mean, like, even that is a lot more healthy. But then we, we figured out, okay, now we let's make applications, put them on our smartphones, which are in our pockets at all times. Now we can literally get people walking on the sidewalks all over town looking at their phones at bus stops all day long they can do that now yeah. so well let's let's rewind a bit because i think let's dive into that a little bit more but you know today's goal is to unpack social media what social media even means and give people a better understanding of how to use technology in a way that aligns with their health you know to basically facilitate real in-person meaningful relationships and conversations and understand the potential negatives so that they can better protect themselves against having problems. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with just defining social media? Because until I actually like did very superficial research on what social media actually is, right? Or until I started reading digital minimalism, the, my concept of social media was like Facebook and Instagram, but it's really way more than that, right? Like it's any website or application that lets users create and share content or, or participate in social networking. So you know, digital communication tools is really what that means. And it includes the obvious ones like Facebook and Instagram, but it also includes messaging apps like WhatsApp or, or uh, Snapchat. It also includes text messages and emails. And, and those ones are sneaky ones, especially for me, especially email. Yeah. Um, but they're platforms that let you digitally connect with others. And I think even dating websites. Yeah. Tinder. Like that's Bumble. That's what? potentially hijacked that whole for scene sure. too. So <laughs> we won't even get into that today, but that's a that's a whole different like combined social media with sex is like that's that's insane <laughs> that's, anyway um but social media has a broad definition so we need to you know before we even get into this whenever we mention social media we're also talking about all of these other digital non-in-person communication methods um and that that goes more broadly than just than just these social networking platforms yeah. right um so what do you want to get into the maybe the the dangers or the Let's get into the negatives. We'll start with the negatives and we'll finish with the positives so that it's not all doom and gloom. But I think the negatives are almost more important to mention so that people at least understand what the potential bad things that could happen if they don't know how to use it properly. Well, right out of the gate, I think picking up on what we were talking about before is we can get into the addictive side of it. And what I was saying before is that we the advent of the smartphone allowed us to now have act and the the applications on the smartphone allowed us to have uh, access to these apps. But like you say, even text messaging and email on your phone. So the, basically, your computer is now on your phone. Yeah. So that kind of started it off, and then it went deeper around that uh, that time where, as you were saying to me the other day, they they actually a lot of these companies like Facebook got in um, people to actually engineer attention into the into yeah. the apps they took slot machine algorithms for you know reward schedules that are proven 
to be addictive, right? That's yeah. why they use them in slot machines. They give you this disproportionate and uncertain reward schedule so that your incentive is always to potentially get a reward. You keep going with it. They were actually called attention engineers. That's so crazy. So, so there, there's people who, and it's it's well known in Las Vegas casinos, casinos around the world that slot machine, like you say, it, that it's very, very scientific and it's very it uh, precise yeah. and it's curated to give you the experience to make you the most addicted. Um, now, slot machines and casinos, they're playing with money. They figured out how to take the same concepts and apply them to social rewards. Yeah. So instead of monetary Which rewards... are way more powerful. Yeah, they're more powerful. They're, they're almost more deeply ingrained in us. So so a lot of this is like we're we're fighting multi-billion dollar companies who are hiring the best social scientists social scientists and attention engineers to engineer this experience to yeah, make good it luck good luck average addi- joe winning that <laughs> yeah. freaking battle so even if the problem is even if you're aware of it and i am highly aware of it now it's still hard being highly aware of it it's like food i think <laughs> like i was thinking about this the other day i was like what is a bigger draw what is a bigger struggle to keep on top of in my own life and i think food Food is a bigger one for me now, but I think if I would have asked myself that six months ago before kind of taking a deep dive and all this stuff, I would have said they were on par. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Th- like those are two of the most powerful drives, um, you know, sex, food, and social connection. Yeah. So it's crazy. So it, it is turning into a di- an addiction for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there's different categories of people that fall into that. But just the the people who are filling up any time in their lives with this and it's almost like because it's so rewarding, it's it's fucking with your neurochemistry. It's it's squirting out dopamine every time you check this yeah. reward system. Because that is so good and robust in these systems uh, and in these networks, it's just creating this thing where we just want more and more and more of it. And it plays into the definition of addiction. And, and I'm actually going to read the definition of addiction from the American uh, Addiction Society. And it's... It's a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and, and related circuitry. Um, dysfunction in these circuits leads to characteristic biological, psychological, social, and spiritual spiritual manifestations. Um, this is reflected as an individual path- uh, pathologically pursuing reward and or relief by substance use or other behaviors. So we could use the other behaviors as checking social media. So it's, it is, you know, it, sometimes it's a substance, sometimes it's that. But it manifests as this kind of check reward, check reward. So yeah. it's just basically a hijacking of your natural reward systems in your brain, which are there and have been present for millions of years. And and now it's like, ooh, this is taken over now. Um, and I think it's more, um, you know, whenever I think addiction, especially you listen to Gabor Mate talk, um, and he talks about how really addiction is people solving a problem, right? Mm-hmm. The addiction, the actual addiction itself, whether it's a substance or to sex or to gambling, whatever it is, is essentially being used as an escape from to get away from their problem. Yeah. So it's a solution. So the actual substance that people are addicted to is not the true problem, right? No. It's a, yeah. But I think in the case of social media, if you're using, you know, it's addictive. It's engine. We just talked about how people are behavioral, using behavioral engineers to make these things addictive and they're very effective at it. Good job if that's your goal. Um, they're, they're doing that. So we're addicted to these things. And by using digital connection, it literally is become, it's crowding out the required in-person communication that we need for mental health. Uh-huh. So it's like, maybe some people aren't using, maybe some people are using it to cover up for a problem. And I think some people are, right? Whether that's just being afraid to be with your own thoughts. Yes, that's a big that's one. That's a big one. But 
or work. Maybe or work. maybe it's I yeah. don't I don't like my work. I don't want to, and I'm going to use this as a. You're right. That's it's a almost big one. like a self sabotaging effect where I'm just going to just browse this. I'm going to get away from it. I'm going to, and then I'm going to go back to it for a bit, and then I'm going to go back to it. So it's this weird thing where we or whatever we're doing, we don't we want to escape. It's escapism. It's yeah. escapism of some form, and I, so I think it does, like you say, but uh, even cover if it's, up some of that, and even if it's not covering something up. Being addicted to these things and following that dopamine trail can literally take away your in-person stuff and create a problem that you then have no choice but to use social media to cover up, right? Mm-hmm. If you get depressed because your in-person relationships suck because you're, spe- it's funny how social media can literally make you antisocial. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a very ironic, um, but if it creates that problem, then you have this crutch that created the problem in the first place. That is your only place to lean on you need when, when you're depressed or anxious or whatever it is. So I think it's this very slippery technology that is literally brand brand new this is so new like we didn't even have it when we were younger this no. that you know when when a, an adult comes up to you an older person comes up to you like well we didn't have computers when we were younger you're like holy shit you're old but like literally we didn't have social media when we were younger the kids I now are probably like wow you're old because it's it's happened so quickly it's so new. that's part of why it's so difficult yeah and we're just <laughs> not societally prepared no so the high schools are not prepared to deal with it so back to that, like the social part of it is, so I think what's happening, and this comes from, from Cal too, it, there's, there's a few things going on. The, the social comparison thing is, yep. is really, really big. So if you're on social media, what you see, and I, I was thinking about this this morning in the shower, is that it's almost a... <laughs> what a great place to, to reflect. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you can't, uh, what if the smartphone goes waterproof? Uh, exactly. That's going to be a shitty time. No one, the shower's... The, the toilet's already gone. The shower's yeah, going to be gone, too. Yeah, once we get it programmed into the shower, yeah, it's, it's, it's over. Um, <laughs> it's over. But, but I was thinking it's an, it's an ego platform in its finest sense because what we're doing is oh. we're picking... Yeah. We are picking, okay, what we're trying to display are a self that we think others would like or the self that we want to display to the world. It's a peacocking which platform. Is, which is what we do anyways. So the, the ego is just that created self that you project into the world right yeah. and sometimes people think they are their egos right and that's a big problem but what we're doing on social media is we're curating this image for others to see so the social media makes it very easy to just show little tips of the iceberg yeah you can perfect engineer shots, your perception the perfect whatever yeah. it is so the perfect moment so we're, we're curating this ego and then other people are seeing this and they're like right and that creates that comparison and so they're stoking that, it because it the, stokes the, the likes, fire. This little yeah. like or this little Instagram heart, that's stoking someone peacocking and creating this image and saying, ooh, people like that image. I'm going to give more of that yeah. image. And then other people look at that, and it's not a realistic image of that person, but they look at it and they're like, oh, that person's life is so good. They look so great. Which even though they took depression 18 on that side of pictures things. to get the perfect one. Yeah. So, so people don't, they can't see that they're doing the same thing. So they see other people and then they potentially get more depressed, um, compare themselves to others, and then they'll mm-hmm. go about and do that. So they'll post the one image, but then they'll say, oh, why isn't it fulfilling? Because as soon as you post it, then it's over, and now you're back into like the day-to-day stuff. It's like it's it's created this weird world. When you click on, for instance, like Instagram, it's now now you're in a different world so so now you're like yeah. you're in the instagram world you're seeing what's people what are people doing what's this guy doing what's that guy doing oh crap that person said this uh and then you you get rid of it and it's like oh dullness right so mm-hmm. once you log out that's like oh i stepped on a piece of gum like there's gum on my shoe <laughs> it's like what you know the mundane part of reality yeah. sets back in and then people are like oh that's depressing i just saw some guy driving a lambo um yeah. so you're right. I think that's one part of it. And then the social approval is the other part. So like you say, the the likes and it's like, oh my God, Jenny got 
thousand likes on that photo um, or it's it's well known that people will post multiple shots and if they most multiple pictures if they don't get the likes they'll actually delete the, those photos and they'll only leave up one ones with with likes and i'm actually i know i don't i don't do the deleting thing but we learn from our posts so if you mm-hmm. post something ooh, really people really like that oh i'm going to do more of that so now you're appeasing to other people um and sometimes i've, I've had to come back and say well is this really what I want to be? Maybe I don't want to really be posting about this. I want to be posting about what I want to post about. Yeah. And, and it, it just because I've got caught up in what I think other people are liking. Mm-hmm. So you got to walk the fine line because yeah, if, if I'm posting stuff that doesn't get any likes, it's like, well, yeah, you're competing against girls, butts and sports cars. <laughs> so you need to, you need to have some appeal to what you're posting, but it's, it, you know, the struggle for us and, and it's not even a struggle. It's like this constant challenge of how can I combine health some sort of health message with a bit of entertainment and a bit of inspiration i always tell people like every post i do i try and before i click the post button i try and reflect is this you know in my brain it's this ratio of 50 percent education 25 percent inspiration 25 percent motivation um or entertainment let's say and if it doesn't satisfy that then you rethink what you wrote or what you're posting and i think that's not something i used to do but now is something i do especially as you get more people looking at what you're posting you need to be more mindful that you're you now have a responsibility to make sure you're not posting bullshit or or false false um you know statements or posting things that people can use to compare themselves negatively to right if you post something doing something someone doing something really badass it's not to say everyone should be able to do that, but it's just, it's, you got to emphasize this is just to show what the human capacity can do. Any person can work up to amazing things, but it requires work. And what this person's doing here might have taken them 10 years to work up to. And I think emphasizing that, that has become more important. Thing. Yeah, we're, we're, it, exactly. So avoiding people might compare, but also making sure it's like you could do this if you wanted to, but you're going to have yeah. to work really hard at it because that person did. Yeah, it, it's so. weird. And then you've got the different groups of people that will just jump on. And attack it for different reasons. So there's the people who will think that uh, you shouldn't be posting something that makes others feel bad. Like there's there's these whole like almost subsets of groups that oh, man. that I, attack uh, people for different things. I did a post the other day that you know I kind of look at comments optionally, but I'll check them just to you get feedback and you determine like do people like this? Do people find this helpful? Um, I posted one saying that a body that look looks good naked if you're if you're health, if you live a high, healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. a body that looks good naked will come no matter what. Like yeah. it's just a natural byproduct. People went nuts. They're like, really? "Is this fat shaming? Uh, everyone looks good naked." I'm like, number one, not everyone looks good naked. No. Number two, it's because not everyone is healthy. If all you eat yeah. is Big Macs all could. day, but back you to could, the could back exactly. And that's I always finish with that. Like, if you live, here are some keys to live a healthy lifestyle. If you do this, you're gonna automatically look more healthy, which Let's be real. Looking good and looking healthy are synonymous. Everybody wants to to do that. Yeah. And everybody so... does. Our whole society is built on the fact that people want to look good naked. Yeah. This is why there's so much so much, you know, diet uh, supplement products, the fitness industry, everything is based off that. So if yeah. you ignore that, then again, you're just lying to yourself. And and some of those comments like people were just getting pissed and I just didn't I just didn't feed into it. Like I didn't yeah respond it's or reply it's it's noted to make sure that i'm you know maybe i have to reevaluate how i did the wording to make sure i'm more careful next time but in general not giving a shit about what people are getting fired up over is also liberating in that it's like 
if you don't like what we, what I post, don't follow this my don't follow the platform. Like don't uh-huh. I'm just trying to help people, right? To bring bring into light important things that I see in my day-to-day life or with people. And it's just it's just an example that people have an outlet for outrage yeah. and for tribalism outrage with in no their pocket consequences. Yeah, that's another thing too. Because if you got outraged <laughs> with somebody on the street, they you might have to deal with some consequences. Yeah, you might have to get punched in the face. Use <laughs> that straight. Yeah with the same intensity yeah for sure okay so social approval uh i think another one is you mentioned is attention fragmentation yes and you know i think the goal of tfc app is and we'll talk about this at the end is to create is to separate ourselves into a platform that we have more control over to make sure it never gets incentivized in the wrong way and you know this i think the TFC app will have a very powerful opportunity to present businesses with a solution for health and productivity, right? Like if you educate, if you make sure that the people that work for your company um, have an outlet and and maybe are given some help by someone that, that, you know, does health consulting or whatever it is to help your employees use this app in the best way. Um, and also you know, that includes understanding social media, understanding uh, how to use it properly and productively, um, how to avoid using it in ways that are unhealthy, how to take care of your bodies, how to offset sitting, all this kind of stuff. Like give people a turnkey solution where it doesn't cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like you just have to pay a bit for someone to come in and teach all your employees the value, how to reclaim health mm-hmm. because that boosts productivity, it boosts focus, and it also boosts profits. Let's be real. Companies care about profits. You have to speak in terms of profit. Healthy people and, and focused people make more money. For your mm-hmm. company um but attention fragmentation is i'm sure you've i've had this so many times until i got a grasp on how to use social media effectively it's like the the minute your attention strays from something you're working on especially if it's a problem that requires deep focus it's like game over if you're yeah. constantly getting thrown off by pings or notifications or you know and even beyond crazy. The, the pings sometimes you'll just be like you get in this weird cycle even when you're working, like I'll be at a coffee shop and it's like, okay, I'll check my emails. Uh, okay, so respond to this one, respond to that one. Okay, you know, let's go to something else. You start doing something else on social media, you're doing a post up, um, and then it's like back to email. And then it's like, okay, let's sit down and start working on something. And then it's like, check my email again, check my social media. Yeah. So there's this beer, this like ping pong effect where you're back, forth, back, forth. You never really get deeply started on anything or really get into that focus state. And, and I think that that, that focus state it's not a linear, it's not linear. It's like the more focus you you put into something, you can get deeper and deeper into that. And then you yeah. start to see like um, benefits at the end of it in terms of productivity that are a non, like, just like I said, non-linear, the, the real deep, deep, deep focus. It's like um, time spent in deep focus gives you exponential, exponential increases yes. in productivity. Exactly. So, so what you're seeing there is that this fragmented style of even how you do work or how you... Um, yeah, your product productive time actually just gets shattered um, by just the style of you, of you doing it, um, and I think that's a big problem. But it's this partly partially it's like back to that attention fragmentation where it's like we can't go too deep on something because then we want to focus on something else and we want to focus because we're so used. To, it's almost like we've been conditioned in other areas of our life too, and then it, on like leisure time, it's the same thing. It's like I'm gonna. There's the example of like that. Um, there, there's that study of the 1600 people in, in Cal's podcast where 
there was that lady and once she deleted all of social media she was actually going the only one of the only apps she had on her phone was like the weather app so she would actually she found herself in the first week checking the weather app and uploading different cities to the weather app so she would check it like yeah, multiple she could times tell you every city in the globe's weather every hour of every day she was basically a media you want to know the easiest way to turn into a meteorologist delete social media yeah. and only keep a weather app no exactly <laughs> but i think for a lot of people and this is where i have fallen prey to this too, this attention grabbing effect of all these applications on the phone. Um, I would check Instagram, Facebook. So you have like a roster. There's Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, the stock app, weather app. Um, for me, uh, cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like, there's this roster you always have and it's like one to it's the like next, your to, the next to the next. And then you go again yeah. through the cycle. So and it's almost like when nothing is like new in that specific app, and you're, you're like, on Shit. autopilot. Yeah, you're just on autopilot going through and you don't even know. Um, so I think that that style in leisure has kind of filtered over to our work, too, with the emails and text messages, too, um, where, where it's really created a non-productive society, even though it feels like we're busier than ever. That's the we- real a double-edged sort of it, it feels like you're you're being bombarded. You're like, oh shit, I'm super, super busy all the time. I'm sending this off, sending that off. It's like, what did you actually get done? Not much. Like, <laughs> yeah. You didn't get much done. So you just you were just distracted the whole time. And, and I think like at the, the end, we'll talk about maybe ways to, to better organize your day so yeah. that you can get more done and still accomplish some of it. Because yeah, like it or not, emails still have to be dealt with um, and yeah. other things have to be dealt with. But maybe the way we do it is not scattered all through our day. So it's, we never get deep into anything. And I'm that's another reason. I think our success in school also was boosted by not having... Think of oh, how hard sure. it would be to study boring shit if you had social media. Oh, yeah. Or you had... Like, that would be insane. And... And let's go back for one hot second to talk about when social media hit that cusp of going from something that people checked once a day to say what what they were doing on the weekend or whatever to when it started becoming this very slippery slope. And there was like the two factors. Number one, the trend, the advancement of handheld technology. Mm-hmm. And Cal brought up a really kind of cool point. When Steve Jobs came out with the iPhone, the original impetus was to create a mobile device that provided a better interface. Like he was like, cell phones are garbage it's not that hard to make them better let's make a better interface easier to use and let's blend your ability to access music and your ability to communicate with others into one device that's better than both of the current best devices in those two categories so his there was zero um social media back then there was no that wasn't even on the roster i think Giles would probably be pissed at where the phone has kind of gotten to although it's just a natural evolution of technology but when digital portable technology started getting advanced um, and when they decided to monetize social media. So when yeah, they decided to, like the like and the on Facebook and the heart on Instagram were not always there. They became implemented, like you said, when these companies had wanted to get big IPOs and investors were like, well, you got to start making money. How do they make money? They engineer social incentives into a device that people have access to all the time to make them constantly access that device and interact with it. And what does that interaction give? Well, it gives a bunch of personal data of a bunch of personal data that they can use to target ads and and um, you know basically product ads to people to generate revenue. So when it was monetized, when they you know them wanting to monetize it introduced the likes and the hearts and the fact that digital technology was available to us all in these supercomputers in our pockets, that's where it became slippery. And it was and that a perfect that storm ago. that just happened. And yeah. there's just. It's this experiment that's being run and on people's psychology and health. And, and, it's, and you see those interviews with the Facebook 
people who used to work for Facebook, yeah. uh, even high up in the company. And, yeah, and one of the co-founders literally doesn't let his kid use Facebook. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't like that's, the people who actually designed it are like, whoa, that's intense. I know what I've designed. I'm definitely not going there. So. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. Uh, no, no. One of the other things I want to touch on is re- in related in relation to those social things we were just talking about is the solitude deprivation effect too. Yeah. Because since we're so ingrained and in, intertwined with the social media and we're so addicted to it, it leaves less and less time to actually sit with thoughts or sit with just observations. So, yeah. uh, what is what is uh, observing? Well, what is ob- solitude? Ob- well. Like, yeah, solitude is just like sitting with thoughts or observing. Yeah, and so, Cal, Cal outlines it as a state in which you spend close to zero or solitude deprivation. So solitude is a state where you spend time alone with your thoughts and free from input from other minds. Yeah. Um, and deprivation is the lack thereof. Yeah. So, so uh, with your own thoughts is like thinking and then observing is the definition of meditation. So meditation has become this hot topic where it's like, we should all meditate more. And that's just literally it's observing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's, people like to complicate it. It's like you can meditate when you're sitting in a room, you're observing your, th- it's observing your thoughts even. It's observing, um, if you go on a walk through the forest, just observing, observing that, the tree, observing the bird, that's all, um, that's all based on this. So I think that we have less and less of a chance to actually sit with our thoughts and ruminate on them mm-hmm. and and it's giving this this de- deprivation that we need to actually make breakthroughs in the way we think about the world and and you need to actually spend time critical this is where the critical thinking happens the critical thinking doesn't happen when you're going back and forth between applications you don't have time <laughs> <Really>? to <laughs> to get d- deep into thoughts yeah. and and actually unpack things that you want to improve about yourself unpack th- concepts in the world these are things that it's actually time spent thinking that creates that allows you to be a better thinker and i think a big thing that um that we're seeing is like you said before is that it's almost like we're becoming worse thinkers it's like it's like we're we're getting worse at like structuring the world because we're so outraged and we're back forth fragmented so um and and let's like solitude is an important it is a necessity for optimal mental health this isn't like an optional thing you know the time spending time alone with your thoughts um you know reflecting um this is time where you you ruminate on relationships you get clarity of big problems or big decisions you're able to organize your relation like you said your relationship with the world and how you view it and and whether or not you know some of your fears might be irrational or valid and you're just consolidating kind of your mind and if you don't get that space if you do not have that opportunity and the problem is is people literally have the the have an addictive um, tool that lets them escape solitude. I think to the point where people, some people are afraid to spend time with their own thoughts and are, yes. are scared of boredom. Yes. Boredom is beautiful. I love boredom. It is the most beautiful state, you know, whether that's going on a walk or just spending time without my phone. This is a very, this is one of the most powerful times that I have access to and I need to create more space to have access to. And if people have none of that, it's no wonder people are scared shitless about their own minds and have all these mental issues like anxiety and depression, they've never actually consolidated and kind of reflected on why they might have that shit going on. They're just confused. They're just in it. They're in this state of being sucked up in it. And and it's like, yeah, like you say, it gets harder and harder to then deal with what it's like to be out of it. And then it's like, you're looking for your phone. You're, you're always peering for it. Um, and one of the best ways to 
to get out of it is just people literally put their phone visible like, yeah those are the worst and then you look you see someone, their eyes track yeah. to it it's so then, it, the pull is strong it's like this little wizard that's putting a spell on them people won't, won't even put the phone in their pocket i've gone to like meetings or meals with some people they put it on the table in front of them yeah and you're right you see their eyeballs go back and forth and you're like wow that thing is pulling you that the force of that thing is like a fucking for sorry try not to swear is a force field and then you realize well oh you're not with me you're not present with me anymore exactly um and it so takes away where, from like what have you been it, it's like instant almost i don't want to be here anymore if you're not here i don't really want to be here anymore and that can happen in like one eye movement and then it's like <laughs> yeah. oh shit okay so have i been talking to a wall here or are you listening to me i don't yeah. know where's your, and that's where's like your mind these social I think the social intelligence, a big part of that is just these cues and just knowing that I'm going to be present with somebody and probably not a good idea to put my phone in front of me. Or even bring your phone. Leave or, it. Like when yeah. I go to family dinners, I leave my phone at the front entrance. And Let's it's just make not a point even, of that. It's not even yeah. touching my leg to remind me to, to, to go to it. It is not on my radar. And it's so Because even liberating. if you feel a buzz in your pocket, you can be talking to somebody mid-sentence and you get a buzz and then part of your brain goes to the buzz. Yeah. You're say, so then you're still talking, but then you're... You. So then you're now you're half a, not present anymore again. Mm -hmm. So all these things pull us out of the present and then pull us to the, well, the digital world. Um, but but time, as we know, all if you look at everything that all of these philosophers say and mental health advocates and uh, psychologists... It, it all comes down to being present. Like it, it really comes that meditation that's all based on being present. So it's all, all of this is to, making it way harder to just be present. And that's why these little things, it sounds so simple for people. It sounds too simple, but you're hearing all these like kind of like going barefoot. It's too simple, but it's, it's too super powerful. It's too simple. And then people <laughs> will say um, all of these like big names in health are saying like, go, go for a walk. Go, like go for a walk and that is the best thing you can do for yourself and it, it really comes back to these first principles without your phone asterisk go yes, for a walk without for, your phone <laughs> and you'll see in the gym these days and sometimes i'm actually guilty of it like if you're if you're resting between a set um but i want to make that one of my times where I, I don't like have my phone with me but you'll see in the gym people will be on the treadmill with their phone they'll be like the, it's almost like let's just get this set done quickly so I can go back to my phone. They'll be walking around their phone, looking at their phone. They'll be sitting on a bench on their phone. So you actually just look around the average gym and you'll see this yeah. everywhere. Bring back uh, the iPod shuffle. I used to love that thing. And I realized yeah. why I loved it is because I couldn't, it was like, it didn't even have a screen. Yeah. It was just a music device. That's all you could get on it. And I, that like, I think people use their phones for music now, but it also gives them the constant ability to reach for other shit. Oh yeah. People are definitely going way beyond music now. They're they're yeah. checking social media at the gym, and it's posting at the gym. Yeah, oh yeah, that's that gets weird too. You're you're like posting. It's like takes you an hour to get through a workout that should have been like <laughs> 15 minutes, and then it's like your friends that are like, oh, I just studied eight hours in the library, and in your brain you're like, I bet you only studied for half an hour. Yeah, you probably did a lot of other stuff that was non-productive. That's the that you, we know people like that, and, it, yeah. and it's like you you just spent nine hours doing a, a, a two to three hour task. So it's just, you're just wasting stuff. You could have been doing other stuff that you enjoyed during yeah. that time. I think an, uh, a good point to bring up is connection versus conversation. And this was something that came up, uh, comes up in digital minimalism. Connection is digital. Conversation is in person. And, you know, a big part of the problem is that digital connection is not an equal alternative to conversation, right? It needs to be how it should be used is digital connection should be used to support 
or as a catalyst to create opportunities for in-person conversation. Yeah. Right. And I think if it's treated as a substitute, the human mind runs into problems. And I think people just people underestimate the richness of analog human conversations. Right. Like when you, um, you know, you, you don't get any of the intonation. You don't get any of the body language. You don't get any of the being in the present without distraction and talking and interacting with another human being, you know, you know, and you can I, feel them their Yeah. That you like their vibes, everything, the, everything, There's everything so much is based there. on that. That is what truly. And I think this leads nicely into the, um, the making the analogy. And I heard, I think this was from digital minimalism as well. They basically made the analogy of junk food and real food to connection and conversation. So, if we talk about real food, real food has nutrients as something we need to heal our bodies and give us energy. Conversation, in-person interaction is what we need to feed these social hunger centers of our brain for us to be social creatures. Junk food provides you all of the all of these things that basically trick your brain into thinking it's good, right? Like salt, sugar, deliciousness, high calorie, high fat. So we eat junk food, we are eating food but we're not getting any nutrients. And if you make the analogy of the nutrients of in-person communication, right? Like this um, sense of connection you get, um, reading body language, those are the true nutrients that fulfill our desire for social communication. And what digital connection is, is the junk food where you're getting, you are communicating, but you are not getting those deeply needed social communication nutrients that you can only get through in-person communication. I think it was just a beautiful, because food is an equally big problem. And I think, you know, people underestimate the nutrients of real in-person conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really nice analogy to say, like, you don't get those nutrients through Instagram. One doesn't replace the other. It doesn't. And I think that that is, it's it's also creating this, like, flakiness effect because the the barrier to, it's, it's it's harder to get that. So just like it's it's harder to acquire like healthy good food, it's like easy to go to any corner store and get a bag of chips. Yeah. Um it's it's actually harder to make a plan with somebody, drive or walk to them, yeah. meet up with them, right? Spending time with them. That's that's more energy intensive. Um it's more sacrificing of your time. Mm-hmm. So these are things that so you oh, have it's to value easier it to, more just, to do it. Yeah, but uh, so it's easier to sit on your couch and think, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm texting with Johnny and I'm whatever." <laughs> um and, and I'm going on social media and all this and you're just filling that void with something that is not actually filling uh filling it up. Exactly. So so you need and and a part of part of what makes a good relationship is knowing that somebody is putting in and like sacrificing their time and energy to be with you, right? And that's that's and it's mutual, big. right? And it's You're mutual. there, they're there, they're disconnected from other people. You have this. I'm sure you get some sort of dopamine, or, or you get some neurochemicals floating in there when you have a truly meaningful conversation with someone. Yeah, and y- people just don't get that. Like it always feels good. Yeah, like even the times that you go out for drinks with a few friends and. You, like next thing you know, it's been two hours and no one's checked their phone and then you all leave and something about like we've even said it before when we're with other people were like, that felt good. Something about that felt good. Yeah. We're like all we did was have a drink and and just con- converse. That's it. And then we're like, I think it's always said too. It's like we need to do that more. That's well, I, always the thing that I comes after this that. podcast. It's mm-hmm. just us having like I think we're much better at just having being able to just put our phones down like we don't really at least not anymore. We don't really check our phones when we're together doing some sort of activity or whatever. If it is, it's to take a quick picture to use maybe later on to post about a certain activity. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, yeah, just 
I think we're just physically we're overfed and starved of nutrients and mentally we're overconnected and starved of true social connection. And I think people just need to understand and, and, and know, like, I think people just don't know the difference. They don't know. They're not being given this education. This, if there was a class yeah. in high school that talked about movement and, and another class that talked about digital technology and that gave kids true education on the dangers and the value and how to use them well and how to make sure they don't lose movement. Guess what? Our kids are way more physically and mentally healthy. And that's very powerful. And that's one of the goals of the TFC app is to, you know, I hate to always kind of bring that up, but this is like, we're trying to identify problems and solve them through an app. Mm-hmm. And if you can give teachers an outlet, a free platform that is not advertising to kids, but has basically um, the information and breaks down the information into like days, into lessons. It's like, okay, today we're going to talk about Instagram. We're going to talk about the crappy stuff with Instagram and we're talking about the cool stuff with Instagram. And we're going to all talk as a group um, and we're going to spend time, you know, away from our phones when we're doing movement. Like, I think those are very powerful. Schools haven't caught up to how quickly technology evolved. It's just, it's, a, it's just a thing. And, and mental, the problem is the mental health is so much more hidden than physical health. Yeah, so you abstract. know that like you can tell people, okay, if you smoke cigarettes, I mean, even cigarettes is almost, is like a long-term thing versus short-term, but, but it's still like physical. It's like, yeah, we see these people here, they're dying of cancer. Uh, their lungs are blacked. We'll show you their lungs. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't have the same kind of reference point to mental health. So it's yeah. like, Hey, Hey kids, like you might think this is fun to use, but here's what it's doing to your actual brain. And it's physically changing your brain and it's changing your reward systems and your and your um, reward pathways. And it's actually laying down new neural connections to actually support what you're continually doing with your brain. And that's actually affecting your, your mental health this way. And it's creating conditions that we call anxiety and depression. This is what it's doing, right? So yeah. it's the equivalent of doing something like smoking cigarettes over time. Um, it's just we're not good at identifying that. And we it's almost like mental health is the newest thing where they're realizing, oh, this is actually a bigger problem than, than physical health problem. now. So we're like, oh, crap, what do we do about it? And this is just one of the social media is just one of the things feeding into that. And I think it's important to say, like, if you want a kid to not smoke cigarettes, the most effective thing is not tell them not to smoke cigarettes. It's not because you want to know the best way to make them smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Tell them that I can't do something. They're going to want to do it. The best way is educate them. Give them the pros and cons of cigarettes. List it all in a column. The pros, you get a nicotine bump. This is an addictive drug. It feels good. The cons, you will die of cancer. You will yeah. disgust people around you. All of the, you make that list. The straight and, up truth. Yeah. And kids are smart. They're like, oh shit. Okay. I probably shouldn't. Maybe I'll try one. But as soon as they try it and start coughing, they'll be like, oh, this Mr. Joe was right. It's almost this like is really we need bad. to lay out the truth of everything. Yeah, just give we people, don't need to give trick people information. People. Don't tell yeah. people what to do. Or trick them. People yeah. don't do... Yeah, it's this weird thing. We pe- treat everybody like kids. Even kids shouldn't be treated like kids. They should be treated like uh, like humans. And, and we might have that to are use... capable of learning. Yeah, and we might have to use different terminology and, and kind of like simplify things a little bit. But it's like still tell them the truth. Don't hide things. And then they, they became a certain age. Oh, now we're going to tell you this. And now we're going to... Yeah. It's just weird. And back to that whole junk food thing. It's like... Just like... Like sometimes we eat shitty food, right? Yeah. This past weekend, we <laughs> crushed a lot of bags of <laughs> chips. It was a long weekend and so that's okay. And just like social media, like you don't always have to use social media in the best possible way. You just, you can't eat junk food and never eat food, mm-hmm. right? You can't do social media and never have real in-person conversations. You can do both. Or and, you will suffer the consequences. Or you'll suffer the consequences. So it's important for people to know, like you can still have some of this, just 
don't only do that and make sure you understand the importance of this, which is the true stuff you need, which is food or real in-person connection. So they're not, it's not, we're not absolutist. We just have to make sure people understand how to navigate these waters and be able to adjust how they're using it so that it's good and not bad. Yeah. Um, so we covered, so maybe another thing to kind of talk about now is this, you know, I think a big part of the TFC um, expanded education sessions, like whether it's the two day health experience or whether it's the one week retreat, like the retreat we're going to do in Costa Rica, a big part of that now that we've kind of learned about this, I think needs to be education on how to digital, you know, this is Cal's Cal Newport's term, digital declutter, how to essentially not rid yourself of all these things, but take the apps or the the social media or the digital communication tools that are optional that if you got rid of them it's not going to affect your ability to work it's not going to affect your ability to um, connect and and make sure your family is safe right like having a phone and being able to text messages and call probably a good thing from a safety point of view Um, but it's basically saying take all the optional stuff set a goal to set it aside for a certain period of time not indefinitely but use that period to reflect on whether or not you're using it to it to enhance your social connections instead of at the expense of your social connections. And when you come back to start using it again, reevaluate how you're using it. Yeah. So classic getting space. Yeah. Getting space, reflecting, coming back. Have a little detox, reassess, and then come back. And I think um, I think that's going to be a very powerful thing. Where you know these two day experiences, we're going to make sure people leave their phones right? Mm. Like they don't touch their phones. We'll make sure that the whole thing is recorded and they have access to the digital stuff after, but focus more on enjoying being present in the experience instead of being in the matrix and trying to post about it or trying, and you know, like maybe that's not as good for promoting social media wise that seminar, but you know what? It's going to give people so much more from the experience when you literally remove the choice of having their phone. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be powerful because guess what? You know, one thing Cal talks about is if you stop using social media as a communication tool, if you stop stop liking and commenting on social media, your in-person social life will immediately improve because you'll seek for that social communication. Um, you, you'll basically fill the desire for social communication with real world communication instead of the social world. Mm-hmm. So the gap you create when you get rid of the, the social world creates the need to turn towards the real world, which is much more satisfying. So... Um, Anyway, that'll be it'll be interesting to see like how you know, I think we need to preface it with starting why we're why that's something we want to do because people are going to be pissed. They're going to be like, "What? I need my phone. I want to post to Insta, I want to whatever." And just kind of starting with prefacing, this is why we're doing this and and we're you know, these are the elements that we want to cover and giving some baseline education. I think it's going to be powerful. And even like the in Costa Rica last year, they only had Wi-Fi in one specific area. Mm-hmm. And even this weekend, we went to that cottage that, that we all rented. Um, the the Wi-Fi was just shitty. So yeah, it almost part. just, it just, oh, I can't even check anything. Okay, cool. And then part <laughs> yeah, of it don't is get the that. Option. And that's the other part is that we went up there with the intent to do these high quality analog activities that yeah. we built into the weekend. That's a good thing to talk about next that the reason so we went up there for that reason and then obviously these activities had nothing to do with our phones so part of it was we couldn't use our phones the other part is that we didn't have a chance to use our phones when we were doing these immersive activities as a group Mm -hmm. that demanded our attention focus and presence and and that um that's why i think that everybody really enjoyed the weekend so much is because it's it's weird we you have to identify that it's like why did i feel so good that weekend yeah oh that's one of the big reasons you have to like debrief and, and figure out like what made that good so that I can yeah. repeat it in future? 
yeah, what were the conditions that preceded me feeling good? Because you need to do the opposite. What are the conditions that preceded me feeling bad? It's both things, but it's also when I feel good, it's back to that behavior podcast we did. What was before that? What created that? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then, and then how was I feeling? And then after that reflecting like how can I do that again so I feel good again um, but that was a big part of it and and I think that we we engineered a hike into the weekend we we really got into playing games like simple juggling a uh, soccer ball and yeah. that we got into like and sometimes we didn't even plan that there was a soccer ball lying around and then we were just next thing you know we're, we're like <laughs> circle forms and you're circle. you're doing it for yeah. 20 minutes you're like holy shit i didn't even realize we were doing this. and we got in some like really deep flow and, and you get like you see the actual your, your skills progress as you're going and you have these like real rallies and everyone's like yeah everyone's just like cheering and everyone's like really deeply in that moment and then another time that we were, we were playing with kettlebells um or we did these long longer paddles out to that island so it was all of these like things that we really liked doing that demanded presence and that was a big part of it. So it's not that we just didn't use our phones. It's that we pre- replaced using the phones with these activities yeah. that, because like I said, if we, it was just, hey, get rid of your phones and sit on the couch. It's like, okay. And I get it. I guess that would be an exercise in, in meditation to some extent, but it's much, it was, it's actually funner to do things you actually like to do. And it's easier. That's one thing Cal says is like, if if you rediscover these these analog, high quality analog leisure activities. So and one th- and two things that he said is said if there's a communal element to the activity it's better if there's a challenge element to the activity it's better right mm-hmm. it, it it increases your buy-in or your motivation to do it if there's a bit of competition like the one thing that we did when we ran off the dock and lined up the four paddle boards and you had to try and run on the four paddle boards you know like that was a group challenge the interest was in everyone okay you go um i did this and i messed up so try it this time and it was like a group goal to try and run across all four paddle boards without bailing um or even just like tossing when we were throwing kettlebells to each other which which got fairly intense but i realized that that's a super fun game yeah right doing partner starting with light uh, you know you can do a circle of people that are throwing a massive cannonball to each other (laughs) in a controlled way with different weights depending on um kind of group competencies like it was Mm -hmm. super that was a lot of fun so you know all these games basically were just ways of and i think that's what that's really what these two-day experiences are going to be about right you get a group of people small group 10 people to a cottage or something like that on the water and you have a full roster of high quality community binding analog activities that allow people to literally forget about their phone Mm-hmm. right and and it allows them to develop physical rapport they might be part physical partner games or whatever it is they involve competition uh we also realize that in canada we can leverage certain substances now which are totally legal and can act to enhance an experience if people are interested in consuming them um you know this whole cannabis tourism thing it applies to the health world as well and i think that's one thing is these two-day experiences instead of going to places around the world to to meet with people and educate them create something create this very and you know this engineered health experience that has so many different you know elements to it that people are like i don't even know why that was so awesome i know a few elements but that was awesome and i didn't touch my phone and i connected people with people i didn't know and i felt more physically capable and stronger and confident in my body and what it can do after I left, like these are the things that I think are going to be super powerful for us to kind of engineer and put on in future. So stay tuned for that next mid-June to mid-July next year. Um, we're going to offer a limited amount of spots for people to be able to come and take part in these things. And, you know, our job is just to make sure they're as fun and as rewarding as possible. So if you look at that as 
bridging on that point, that would be more like more of a medium to to longer period of time. Yeah. Um, so I think one way to actually start to declutter declutter and get yourself disconnected a little bit more is to maybe organize it into small, medium, large periods of time uh, that you're not on social media or without your, without your phone altogether. So maybe yeah. small can be like, obviously, you don't have the chance to go to a cottage or a full week away somewhere all the time. So each day, maybe you can layer things a walk. in. A walk is a great way. And uh, there's tons of people talking about walks and walking has been something I've been into in the past like four or five years and getting in more and more. But a a simple walk for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, an hour. If you do that every day and don't bring your phone with you, there's that time. The gym I talked about, maybe the gym you're now saying, okay, instead of joining the 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 frenzy in here i'm gonna just that'll be my a sanctuary where i escape yeah. my phone are there a few activities or spaces that you go to each each and every day or most days of the week that you get in smaller periods of time with these these quality leisure activities um maybe it's uh maybe you talk about a medium you go on like a half day hike on the weekend uh, you you spend you do an activity uh you join a, a league right so you these might be considered small to medium again, but uh, a medium to large could be go away for a cottage weekend, uh, spend a full weekend uh, without your phone just just that, just because. Yeah, or just plan a day. Like just I'm, plan a day. And yeah. we talked about this. I'm going to do blackout Sundays now where there's I'm not getting blackout, um, but I'm blocking out all social media. In, in, in the name of, number one, I think it's necessary for my own health, but also I think if you're not posting things on a day, you're sending out the message that you're not trying to give people a reason to go on social media one day of the week. So Sundays, zero social media. It doesn't matter what's going on um, from now on. Hopefully I can stay true to that. Um, but I think that's, you know, just picking a day. And 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 I hmm. think it's important to the day before, plan what you're going to do that day. Yeah. Because boredom is going to be what will cause you to reach back for the phone. So if you engineer a day where you're not even around your phone, or maybe you have someone with you, like an accountability partner, where it's like, okay, we're not going to, like I do this with live all the time. We're going to do this. We're not going to bring our phones. If we do, it's only to answer a call or text family. That's yeah. it. Only if needed, if essential. But we're not there. And we hold each other accountable. And you know what? If you reach for it because you're just on autopilot, the other person says, hey, no Instagram today or no social media. And then then you're immediately like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize I did that. Yeah. So having someone and, to keep you accountable is important, I think. And then plan, like you say, plan ahead, plan fun days with, with people that you enjoy. Like, it, it feels like we almost feel guilty these days doing that. And it's like, oh my God, I'm going to give up a whole day, but it, to do fun shit. It's like, yeah, how about you yeah, do that? That's necessary. Like that's <laughs> like, you're going to, wait a minute. You're just going to plan to enjoy yourself all day. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, when did that become a bad thing? It's weird. <laughs> and, and so it's like, don't feel bad about going ahead and like plan the, the morning, plan the afternoon, plan the night, plan where you're going to eat, like do things together, make a meal together. These are all things that you can do to, to again, because when you're doing all that, you won't even think about your phone anyways, if you're doing it right. So I think that helps people a lot. Like, as you say, if you're just like fail to plan, you're just going to be sitting there on your couch again. Yeah, I so. agree. Let's talk about three final things to kind of wrap it up. So number one, let's talk about our experience with social media, because we've we've been on this path for a while. We've had social media for a while. And I think we've both had ups and downs in when we were using it in a way that was bad, both personally and probably for the messages we were portraying. Although I think we've been pretty good with the messages um, and also just what we've learned, right? Like if we can help people understand the the issues like it's to the point where even in the foot nerd program there is a nerd's guide to social media because i felt it was very important for people to 
be able to look at social media um, in a way that allows them to express a positive message and include people in their journey of learning what the hell is health and how do we get back to number one, understanding it personally, and, and then number two, helping other people rediscover it. Um, and so, you know, the, the just the path, like at the start, I think we both got roped into way too many way too much of a focus on the responses we were getting in terms of likes or, mm -hmm. or hearts on, on Instagram. And also, you know, I realized pretty early, which I think was, I was kind of lucky that getting into debates or conversations or arguments on social media is such a waste of life. Mm -hmm. um, it is such a bad medium. It's so unnatural for conversations. And I think it takes getting involved and seeing the effect on your personal mental health and your mood um, to really trigger it to be like, this is not healthy. And that's why for people that wonder why we don't respond to posts or why, you know, number one, direct messages, I would have no life if we tried to respond to all direct messages. But number two, posting and dropping, doing two or three posts in the morning and then leaving the phone and only looking at it optionally might not be the best. People might not like that very much, but it's the only way for me to sustainably be on social media and continue doing that without literally being forced to exit it because it's not good for my health. So that's yeah. why we do this post and drop. Don't respond to comments, you know, email us. If it's customer service issue with a product, just email us. But I think for me, one of the biggest things was turning off all notifications, not caring about likes or comments or followers, right? Yeah. Like I would rather have, you know, 40 people that really benefit from the stuff I post than 2 million people that are just fake you know, real humans, but not following because they like your stuff. You're just follow. They're just following you because you're one of the thousand profiles they decided to follow and browse through all day. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think realizing that and just disconnecting yourself from followers, comments and um, and all these likes was a powerful thing for me. What about you? Yeah, for me, it's I use it as a way to just get ideas out there and kind of almost as like a, a mini blog. Yeah, so I found I that say. that's the best way to that I've rationalized using it is that hey i actually used to do a blog on um on the website um for for optimized physiotherapy and so this has just almost replaced that yeah. so so that's you know it, it allows me to use it in ways that i deem appropriate now that doesn't mean that i still don't have problems with it and have to kind of check myself browsing in general and yeah. all of that um the comments and, and likes thing i i try like i like you say i do my my best uh to acknowledge people um but then it gets overwhelming sometimes people asking about um uh, like sending me all these things like look at my ankle here's a picture here's a video can you <laughs> like i live in so-and-so part of the world can you you know it's like well that's not my like that's not my job and you've like you've got to appreciate that on from your end because yeah. i'm not some random person who who like communicates with people all day to help them fix their problems um it's just not the way the world really works yeah. uh so so i've just you know i i will try to appease and and try to comment uh back on on people who live leave healthy healthy comments that are uh and you can kind of pick it up you get better and better at picking it up is this person just trying to uh flare up a situation is this person uh, somebody who's very easily outraged and, or are they yeah. trying to get you fired up and outraged? You can, you know, spot it, spot it a mile away now. Just the people who are genuinely just wanting to say like, thank you or, or, um, oh, I like that. Or what do you think about this? Then yeah, that's great. Like, and I will do yeah. the same with other people. It's like, oh, that, that's a, that's a cool exercise you posted. That's, that's awesome. And I think in so, general, Instagram is just a, sh it's not a good medium for discussions. And one of the features that we're going to build into the app right out the gate is the ability for people to submit a question 
And as our community of foot nerds, which will be 100 by the end of 2019, and we'll have bigger classes in future years, as the community expands, people can ask questions. If it's a good, valid question, it'll be able to be answered by someone in the foot nerd community, and then it'll be logged within the app as a piece of content um, and have tags attached to it. So someone's like, what's the best way for me to open up my ankle? Someone will answer it. It'll be reviewed by a couple of the foot nerds to make sure it's a good answer and if they can contribute something they can. Then that question will go under the Q&A section of the content. It'll be tagged ankle or mobility or whatever, and it'll be searchable by anyone so that they can check and see whether the question they're about to ask has already been answered. They can see the answer. And so I think it gives a much better dialogue medium where people can ask questions and we can make sure that all these really popular questions we get a lot, we 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 put really good answers and kind of evolve the answers even as time goes on of our thinking changes and then make them available so that people can search those things, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that pisses me off the most is when people ask you a question and literally all of the information they're asking about is available to them for free. They're just too lazy to search it. That pisses me off the most when they're like, you just did a post on something and then, you know, last week or, or it's blatantly available on the website or something like that. And then they're like, oh, well, what's what's the biggest thing that screws up ankle mobility? Well, there's an entire one-hour podcast on ankle mobility. Just explore it a little bit. And I think we have to do a better job at connecting people with the most relevant content. That's really That was the biggest impetus for this app is allow people to go in and create a profile of interest that they are that they want, right? If, all, if you're Joe and all you want to learn about is ankle mobility and sleep, well, guess what? You can go into your profile, click ankle mobility and sleep, and only things related to that, whether it's video, blog, or audio, will come up in your personalized education feed. So I think that's hopefully that, you know, the app is a place for us to be able to understand the content people want and then give the opportunity to the foot nerds to create that content and just help people, right? Like that's the goal is help people and, and never ever monetize that app in a way that negatively that doesn't align with the message of this is here to help people Mm -hmm. right if all we did was promote products that we really agreed with and used any revenue that was generated from promoting those products that agree with our philosophy to make the app better to give people better free education then it stays true to the goal of open sourcing a good high quality education platform so um yeah and i think you just have to always one thing that cal said Um, is intentional use of technology. I think it's a powerful term, right? I think Mm -hmm. intentional uh, or going in with intentions is like this thing that is kind of fuzzy for people. It used to be for me. But all it means is you're only using technology if it can have the potential to positively affect your health, well-being, and your life satisfaction. Or you're in control of its use as opposed to it's it being in control of you. Yeah. So you're using this because... Exactly, same thing. Yeah. And he makes reference to the Amish communities and and how they're not actually anti-technology, right? You'll see Amish people using solar panels um, and using even like rollerblades. And what they do is a very intentional, um, basically evaluation of any technology. So they, it's a kind of funny. They give it a technology. They vote on whether technology is either going to facilitate a tighter, more, uh, uh, you know, a more loving and tighter knit community or whether it's going to fragment the community so for example a car i mean and not all the rationalizations obviously make sense right but they're like a car well someone can use a car to drive somewhere else and never come back so we don't want cars (laughs) we're only going to give you a horse and buggy because eventually that horse needs to eat you're probably going to come back um but you know it's not that they're opposed to technology they only and they'll, they'll give a technology to like a tester guy and they'll all observe him and they'll say like i wonder if this is a good thing or a bad thing and and so if it's good it stays if it's bad it gets kicked out and it's i think maybe not turning into Amish people, but really that approach is, there's something very elegant about that approach of like, 
am I using social media to um, convey a positive message or connect with people in person? Or am I using it as a way to be distracted in my life or as a way to access novelty? Well, guess what? If it's the second one, you probably shouldn't be using Instagram. And it's not that hard to delete. Okay, this yeah. is another thing. People are like, oh, I can't get rid of Instagram. It's like, well, actually you can. Doesn't affect your family, doesn't affect your work life. You'll be fine without it. You'll probably be way better off without it. So, you know, don't be scared. Exactly. <laughs> and just try it. You can always re-download it. But, you know, this whole declutter thing is like, take a certain period of time away from it. Use that to reflect and reevaluate how you're using it. Sure, go ahead and go back and use it. You know, maybe go back and eat junk food once in a while, but do it responsibly. Do it in a way like what if you delete it and you're like, oh, my God, I feel so much better. I connected with my brother. You know, I have a way better relationship with this person. Why the hell would I go back and use it? And I think his experiment with those 1600 people was that for the first week or two, it's hard. People have that compulsive like the what the lady that checked the weather out there compulsively trying to click on things to fill that need. Um, but after like a week or two, they're like, oh, it feels liberating to not have that as much. Yeah. Um, and so, and whether or not they go back to it or not, or whether they just kind of reassess how they're using it, I think that's a very powerful tool for people. So um, using social media for good, I think is the, is the next one. So yeah, we talked about a lot of negatives, but if you're using it in a way that doesn't disrupt your health, if you're using it in a way that creates the opportunity for in-person communication or if you're using it in a way that helps other people and that's your primary motivation i think social media is a very powerful tool to leverage to get a message out yeah right? and if it's not affecting your health negatively um and you're spreading positivity you're not getting caught up in all these arguments then yes um you're right i think that it's just a and if it's not affecting your relationships yeah so because it's not technology that's bad. It's how you use it. It can be either good or bad it. based on how you use it. And problem is it when it's engineered, when something is engineered to be as addictive as it is, yeah. it just makes it that much harder. Yep. So if you gave me like something, a food that you're like, hey, you know, this is going to be a good food. You don't want to have it too often, but it's it's super, super addictive. <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, well, I can still use it responsibly. You could, yeah. you can, but it's if just someone hard. gives you keys so, to a Ferrari with five with 700 horsepower, you're probably going to be very cautious in using it because if you're if you're wild with it, it can have severe consequences. And yeah. guess what? If you crash that Ferrari, it's not Ferrari's fault. No. If you use Instagram and get depressed and anxious and have a terrible social life because of it, it's not Instagram's fault. You're just not informed enough or motivated enough to learn how to use this technology, which is insanely powerful. Yeah. It takes it takes advantage of our most primitive and primary drive. People need to understand this. And I think just with a bit of education, like, if you had a conversation with a 10 year old, you could probably do a good job at conveying the point of the potential dangers of mm -hmm. social media. No one's having those conversations. I don't think anyone's prepared to have those conversations. No, I right? think that's the big thing. And finally, I think people are starting to talk about it. And there's people are definitely coming talking about it. A few years ago, it's almost like we just woken up a little bit. Some people, um, to the fact that this is going on. Yeah. But it just caught everybody off guard, I think. So, yeah. And like the suicide rate and the depression anxiety rate in in the generation that grew up online connected and which spends sometimes up to nine hours a day connected. Mm -hmm. This is where we're seeing these, these are the canaries in the coal mine of the dangers of social media. This is like the testing grounds. And we're seeing it all. You're right. It all came up all of a sudden. This technology came out of nowhere. And so, you know, the luckily the amount of time it took for us to realize how dangerous they can be if used um poorly luckily that came up quick and the, the conversations are starting people like 
um, Cal writing these books, you know, research is being done on the demographics of that generation and the rates of mental health dis dysfunction. So I think we just, whether it's educating parents to be able to educate their kids or directly educating kids, like there needs to be some conversations had about this open conversations, transparent, honest, that reflect the truth. Um, and just helping people understand how to navigate it better. Um, so I think maybe let's do a couple, let's each say three tips to kind of wrap this up. You know, my first one is rediscover solitude, be comfortable and prioritize spending a little bit of time alone, bored with your thoughts, being able to reflect. For me, the easiest way is going on a 20 minute walk, no phone, no music, no distraction, look at stuff, people watch, you know, observe. Um, I think that's a powerful one. So rediscover solitude is my first one. You? I would have to say the same, even taking time, even when you're, I think we feel this constant need to be stimulated. So even when like I've been driving recently and I'm, like, I'm just going to turn everything off, turn yeah, the radio me off, too. just like look around. I mean, actually concentrate on driving, but, um, just, just observe and just open up the windows, yep. breathe. It's a good time to almost like meditate to some extent, or at least be present with what you're doing, which is driving a huge vehicle around. Yeah. Um, so uh, in addition to the walking, I would say just little, little bits and pieces, cause you can all, you can find these, you can find these little places and areas to actually do this. The other one would be, uh, curate things that you can do outdoors, whether it's yeah. summer or winter, have uh, a repertoire of things that you can do analog on a winter activities. Yeah. And, with and other just people, and know them and and know which things you discover things maybe maybe you don't maybe you don't have any right now but but if you can have those because i know a few of mine like slacklining playing frisbee uh going on a hike which is a little bit more time consuming so the i have these things then and it makes it a lot easier so back to back to that i think another one is set rules set rules for yourself and and tell someone about your rules so that they can help keep you accountable. If you tell someone about a rule you made for yourself, you're probably going to align with it and abide by it much more. Like one rule that I set myself because I saw it, you know, a while back becoming a bit of a problem is no phone the first hour I wake up or the last hour before bed. Right? Like mm. it got to a point where I I was literally picking up my phone as soon as I woke up and I was like this is a big problem. I'm literally searching and part of the problem there was that I sucked at sleeping. And so yeah. I was trying to cover up the fact that I felt like shit waking up and had no energy with getting a bump of dopamine from social media or something like that. And the minute I got rid of that, number one, it made me reassess how I was sleeping. And now I wake up feeling more like energized almost every day instead of tired. But number two, taking the, you know, the first half hour is go for a walk, have a coffee and read. And that is such a better way to start the day than to try and instantly go to the email or the social media or whatever. So an set rules and just as an example an hour first hour you wake up last hour before you go to bed make a rule that you're not on technology you're not on digital communication platforms i think that was powerful for me one other thing i'll say just go out of your way and make plans with people um yes that it's just in it. general make up make small plans big plans like meet for a coffee but uh you always see the people who are, are like enjoying things a lot happen to be the people who are all who are kind of like always making these connections and yep. making these plans so that would be one of my my final one is just make concrete physical plans with people and follow through with them and don't bail on them because it, yeah. it's almost like we're going to becoming more flaky yep as well I agree. so i agree and i like you know this whole thing of once you understand yourself don't be afraid to tell people you love or care about about this stuff right mm -hmm. like what's the worst thing that happens they get a bit pissed because you literally identified a problem they were scared to admit to themselves 
right? Like if someone, if you, every time you have a conversation with someone, they have their phone there or they're on their phone, maybe recognize it in a polite way and say, listen, I'm telling you this because I love you or because I care about you. I think we should both. And if you say it like that, instead of you need to be off your phone when we're talking, it's like, I think we should both make an effort and keep each other accountable to not having our phones when we're doing, when we're having conversations or doing activities. And I think if you do that, it puts it, it takes down barriers and usually people are open to it. I haven't, you know, you get very little resistance if you word it in the right way. And I think it's a, you know, you know, especially with parents and their kids, don't tell your kids what to do. Just say, let's try this and see how it is. Because guess what? If you engineer really fun stuff for you to do with your kids, they're going to completely forget about their phone. Mm -hmm. But if you just say, don't go on your phone and don't engineer anything that fills that void, or it's going to be real even hard. Even worse, if you're on your phone yourselves as you're yeah. telling them. Set the example. Which is, that's a big one. Yeah. Anyway, we hope that that gave you a little bit of benefit of just understanding how to navigate this very new, very addictive, and you know, this potentially harmful technology that I think is flying under the radar. Bigger conversations are happening now. We're going to do future podcasts about this as our kind of thoughts about this um, develops and improves and uh, look for some element of this being included in our future TFC offerings because I think as we get into the other pillars of health, this will be a very important one. Anyway, have a great day. Talk to you guys next week.